Hi, this is FEA President Andrew Sparr. To stay on top of all the latest news and issues impacting our public schools, be sure to follow FEA on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For more information on this podcast, visit feaweb.org backslash podcast. You're listening to Educating from the Heart. Thank you for joining our lively conversations with teachers, support professionals, parents, and students as they share issues that matter most in our public schools. Here are your hosts, Tina Dunbar and Luke Flint. Welcome back. I'm Tina here with Luke. So good to be with you again. Always great to be with you, Tina. We have made it through another legislative session. (laughs) Yeah. Again this year, education was a focus of the governor and of lawmakers, and the partisan divide was quite evident, especially when it comes to issues dealing with race, gender, and sexual orientation. Yes, this session was a bit unusual, especially being a year in which many of these legislators, including the governor, up for re-election. Normally, it's business as usual. Legislators rush in, quickly move through session, and head straight to the campaign trail. But it was quite different this year. I'm telling you, Luke, Florida is caught up in this nationwide trend of public education attacks. And parents are being used as a tool to create a major divide between educators and the communities where they work and live. Even worse, the result could have a negative impact on students, teachers, and the entire school community. It's why it's so important for all school employees to feel empowered to speak up and advocate for themselves throughout the school year, talking about what's going on in their schools and what's happening with their students. It doesn't matter if you're new to the job or your experience, if you're a teacher or a custodian, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican. Absolutely. It is so important that every educator speak up but they should not do it alone. It is so helpful to have a strong group of supporters or an organization like the FEA and its local affiliates standing beside them. On this episode, we'll talk with a group of Republican educators who chose to join their union and work with other like-minded colleagues to raise awareness and redirect education policy. Mary Rivera, Patrick Strong, and Sheila Watson are all educators and members of FEA's Republican cadre. The three of them are focused on influencing legislation as they advocate for a pro-public school agenda, one that will benefit all children in Florida. We start the conversation with Mary Rivera talking about the inception of the Republican cadre at the FEA statewide meeting in 2018, where she worked to pass a new business item or an NBI to create the cadre. I was part of the um, committee that composed the NBI in 2018. Um, I think it's important for educators to be activists for public education because God knows that the public is not advocating for us. So um, I thought it was an important venture to get Republican members specifically involved in the political process because we're so Republican heavy in Tallahassee. And who best to communicate with these Republican leaders than Republican members of their delegations? Um, And so we wrote the NBI 
specifically to get Republican educators in Tallahassee to speak to their local representatives um, on behalf of public education and on behalf of labor unions across the nation. You've been a key member of the cadre for several years now and had multiple opportunities to talk with your legislators on education issues that are important to you and your colleagues. What has surprised you the most about your conversations? They have deaf ears to educators in general, and we thought it was important that members of their kind um, communicate with them the fact that Republicans are teachers. There are teachers who are Republicans. Um, It's not a um, democratic population of the workforce in the state. It's a group of people who care about kids and who care about teaching and our society. And um, that we have needs, we have desires and we're part of them. We're part of that organization, the Republican Party, and that we want to be represented equally as well as the Democratic um, delegation, and we're not being heard. So through the cadre, our voice has been loud and clear and has really opened doors for us as um, an educated community as well as a union. Our voice just gets more loud and more powerful and um, our, our mission is being heard and shared throughout the state. I'm sure that you are aware of this perception that the union is the right arm of the Democratic Party and there's no place in any union for Republican members. Sheila, how would you respond to that? I think that's what um, propelled me to make the step to um, represent on the cadre was just that idea that when we sat at the table and had those conversations, um, um, we are Republicans. However, we are a part of our union and do support the work that's being done there to advocate for us. And to see the look and the response that we got to that oftentimes was, no way, that doesn't happen. Well, yes, it does. And and we feel like this is the way that we can make our voice heard um, through conversations with like-minded individuals. And I think that sitting at the table sometimes when they would hear those first few words of, well, I'm a Republican union member, Maybe they listened a little more carefully to what I had to say because they automatically recognized that some of our um, standpoints and and foundational issues were similar and that we looked at things with a like mindset. And so maybe we did have more in common than they thought. So they were willing to listen to what we had to say without tuning it out automatically because we represented a different party than they um, belonged to. And so we were able to bridge that gap in a way that I think... um, was different than had we sat at the table automatically with a defense mechanism in place had we been from an opposing party. So I want to, yeah, ask uh, Patrick um, a a similar question uh, to what Sheila just answered, but with a slightly different spin on it. Uh, Sheila talked about how um, the the cadre has engaged with Republican lawmakers and, and how that has opened up some avenues um, but I'm wondering about the, the membership in, in a place, especially like Okaloosa, that we know is very red. 
And do members sometimes say, oh, well, you know, I'm a Republican and or I, I should say potential members um, give a reason that they don't want to join. Well, I'm a Republican and I don't want to be a part of this Democratic you know, big D organization. Do you hear that objection? Um, and if so, how, how do you respond to it when you're trying to get someone to join with us to educate, uh, to advocate for public education? So. So you must have read my mind because uh, as Sheila was talking, I was thinking that that we have kind of an idea that unions are always uh, Democrat. And, uh, you know, in Okaloosa, we have about as many percent Republican as we do Democrat in our local union. And then there's the rest of the uh, registered members are independent. Um, so, so I always, uh, so I always try to express that when you approach somebody, if they've, if they've heard that over and over and over that unions support things that, you know, they might not support, um, you usually get a very strong negative initial, uh, response from them. And, uh, you know, what I've done in the past is just show them over a period of time that, uh, that, the majority of the things that we stand for, uh, we can agree on. And when it comes to students and how we treat them in the classroom and how we t- uh, teach them and how we take care of the facilities that they use and how we feed them at lunch and how we get them to school on buses, that's all common interest for all of us. Um, so when we talk about those issues, uh, we all want the same thing. Yes, there are many issues that we share in common, but there are also a few foundational issues that we have vast disagreement on. For example, privatization. When you talk with your members or even legislators about privatization, which some say is being advanced to hurt the union, I mean, have you talked with your legislators about this or even vouchers? What does that conversation sound like? Even in a party amongst ourselves that we can agree on some things and disagree on some other major major things. And one of those things is that, um, you know, we brought to the table as far as, um, you know, the, the talk around, um, bonuses and, and, and getting rid of those and moving towards, um, increasing the base pay and, and, and working on salary schedules, um, because we brought it from a standpoint that they could understand of physical responsibility, that we're not just asking more to do less with, or to throw things away, um, irresponsibly, um, that we budget our households much like they do. And so we would expect the same in, in the educational realm. Um, and so we brought those things to light as well, that, um, some of the things that have been tried that we're expanding and increasing in vouchers and, um, have not had a return on them in the way that they have proposed that they would in the beginning. And so if we've not seen a return on that, then the proper answer to that is not to continue to throw more at it, but to look at the accountability piece of it and to recognize that you are comparing apples to oranges. Um, And so as long as the guidelines are not the same, um, then you cannot compare the two in in a grading schedule. Um, And so we have brought those conversations to light. 
um, obviously, you know, it's, it's kind of like with anything, sometimes we plant the seed and then we continue to water that seed um, to make them think about things. But it seems to be that the response is a little bit um better received coming from somebody that they already have some like-mindedness with than someone who they seem um, vehemently opposed to from the get-go. Um, but we know like with anything with bonuses and salary structures, that was a seed that was planted and we watered it and we had conversations amongst multiple individuals on that on that side of the aisle, um, but in a way that made sense to them because we think somewhat similarly to them on some of those issues. Um, and so we felt like that too, once we've kind of bridged that gap there and had conversations with them that led to some things that we agreed with and some things we didn't agree with, that then we could push for more once we had had the, built those relationships. Um, and also I wanted to add to that, um, in meeting with um, several of my representatives last season, um, choice was a key word that they wanted to bring up. Um, and unfortunately, the choice isn't a fair choice. Everyone has the opportunity to make that choice, but it's not a fair choice to make when the options available to them are not accessible to them. My kids are out in the Acala National Forest. Many of them do not have internet access and they don't have a choice to do um, virtual programming because they don't have access to it. Um, and it needs to be equitable and it's not. We talk a lot about choice as if it's something available to all, but it's not, at least not provided in the same way. Some parents intentionally choose public education, yet the majority of our political leaders don't seem to respect that choice. Wouldn't you agree? So, so we kind of have to go back. We kind of have to go back in history a little bit for me. Uh, my wife is a 32 year teacher um, and I've been uh, I've been associated with the district for about 18 or 19 years now. Um, so when my wife was first a teacher, I said, I said, you know, there's no need to join the union because some of those things like privatization stuff, that kind of sharpens your skills. Um, so after I got involved with the education, uh, public education, I quickly learned the problem is there's not an even playing field. Um, and I think we saw that last time with Trump's administration, to be honest with you. He said we don't have an even playing field with some of with China and stuff with our trade. Um, so when we bring that into public education um, and private private uh, schools are getting grants and they're getting all of our maintenance funds and and they're getting 95% of our, our FTE um, and they don't have any standards that they have to live up to or they don't have to have certified teachers uh, and they don't have to pay the teachers any specific amount. Um, I mean, you, 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 when, when you can't even measure, uh, how can you say they're doing as good a job for us? And one of the biggest things for me, because I've been in uh, uh, education support professional uh, as a paraprofessional last uh, 18 years in an EBD classroom, and, uh, you know, those ESE students are very near and dear to my heart. And, and I tell you, when, 
they can't go to a private school uh, because if they try to, they're immediately kicked back out and they come to back to a public school. Um, so I always say to have have apples and apples, they have to take every student that comes to them. You know, I've often said with the local schools here that are privatized, I said, you give us their students and they take our students, student for student, and we could do a better job every day of the week. Absolutely. One area where it seems like we should be able to get all Republicans on board is, is the idea of local control. Um, one, one thing we've heard a lot about from our state during the Biden administration is the federal overreach and how detrimental that is. Um, but it seems like Tallahassee has no problem um, overreaching, you know, telling school districts you can't even determine the salaries anymore, telling school districts you cannot determine the length of employment contract for someone anymore. Um, and, and I'm wondering what those conversations have sounded. I, I know you've had them, right? So the question is, have you even talked with uh, your uh, Republican lawmakers about local control? Um, but 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 what do those conversations sound like? And Mary, I see you raising your hand. Um, they're snide to sum them up in a word. The conversations are very snide. They know that they've taken they've taken the power away through legislation. Um, we no longer have fair bargaining opportunity. Um, and at the local levels, um, many of your school boards are holding an even tighter rein on it. And with the legislative changes that, you know, a certain percentage has to go here and a certain percentage of that has to go there, they're not leaving us any room to bargain. And your veteran teachers were not being treated fairly, um, equitably. Um, and my colleagues, I've been doing this for 30 years, but my colleagues who have been teaching 10 to 15 years are um, making 50 to $500 more than first year teachers because of this legislation regarding the 47.5. It's not fair. And people are dropping like flies. We have so many openings here um, in Marion County, and I know it's across the state as well. So many openings, so many classrooms that do not have certified educators in them because of the pay situation. And so many teachers who have resigned and retired prematurely um, to seek employment elsewhere where they can make financial gain um, through experience that they cannot make here because of legislation. Specifically this year, it's been so obvious because the governor has taken local control in several situations that that are even more obvious than uh, than the subtle forty seven five starting teacher pay. Um, the the mask mandate was one where uh, where many there were several counties throughout the state of Florida that were were in turmoil because the the COVID rates were so high, and you know I I think in Okaloosa County we may have been a little bit different. I think. It, uh, but that was something where he pulled that back to the state level and said, I'm going to be in control and I know best. And I feel like as, as a conservative Republican, uh, and I've advocated for this my whole life. Uh, my father was a 40, 48-year city commissioner here in the city of Valparaiso. 
and we we studied things that uh, laws that the state passed to look at the potential impact it had on local uh, local decision making power. And, and that was, in my opinion, though, that type of decision is just an outright blatant attack on the, the basic tenets we have as Republicans. Those are, I think, the the struggles um, that we face because um, we see it from a standpoint of it's kind of that um, that power balance. You know, I know from from our local, the standpoint is, you know, now that I know things, I might do things differently and respond to things differently. Um, now that I've seen things kind of play out and, and things that we've learned along the way, um, but you know, I. I think that when we join our voices together with our local um, government and we speak up with our superintendents and with our local school boards to say, you know, these decisions should be able to be made locally. Um, I think that those two voices together obviously are stronger than when it's just us as union members crying out or just the local school boards. Um, and so I think that that is um, a commonality that we have. And I feel like in our local rural districts, like where I'm at, um, it's definitely noted that their support is there and that they are speaking out and they are saying um, as superintendents and as school boards, you know, leave these decisions up to us. Um, you know, we tend to um, have great conversations and great relationships with our constituents. And so um, we feel like we can better judge the temperature of the water here than you can from there. Um, so allow us to do so. I just wanted to echo a little bit of what Sheila just said. Um, one of the things that really works, uh, especially when our Republican cadre members come to Tallahassee and they get to meet with lawmakers and small groups and they represent all areas across the state. One of the things that's really critical is getting a meeting as a constituent with a Republican lawmaker. And there are definitely Republicans that we still have difficulties getting into their offices as we look to grow the Republican cadre, that we are ensuring that we have at least one, if not more um, Republican cadre members in all 120 districts um, in the House and all 40 districts in the Senate. And that is something that our local presidents, as well as our, our current union members and our current Republican cadre members can certainly help with. Do you believe we would be more powerful in our advocacy if we had more Republican members engaged? I would say yes, um, as long as we're a heavy red state um, in certain areas, I think, because the common misconception that we get all the time is, like I go back to our previously stated, is what? You're a union member and a Republican? Huh? How can that be? And so I think that if they saw more Republican members engaged, that we would not seem such as a minority, but more like a temperature gauge for what the majority really wanted. Um, I think that when we have less engaged um, Republican members, they tend to um, take what the union has to say as, well, you're only representing a small percentage of the people and they're Democratic. Um, and so when the Republicans speak up, it's kind of um, maybe tends to allow them to scratch their heads a little bit more to think about what is being said, that it's not one small section of people saying so, but really in general, a lot more of the population feels this way as well. 
Well, look, we have to give kudos to this group of members and celebrate the cadre's success. When Florida first started down the path of increasing teacher salary to $47,500, Sheila and a few other cadre members began advocating for certified pre-K teachers. Basically, they were saying they work just as hard as other teachers educating our youngest learners, and they're not babysitters. They deserve a decent salary. You got that right. While there is still much work to be done on the teacher salary increase allocation, now pre-K teachers are eligible to receive that salary enhancement. That is a sign that state leaders are listening to FEA members and the Republican cadre. They have also addressed the inequities of receiving bonuses over a pay raise. Our guests all agree on the importance of forming relationships, really creating that opportunity to meet with and spend time educating elected officials so they understand the human impact of the laws that they pass. It really is up to all of us, and we want to encourage all educators to get involved, both locally, that's at home, in your legislative districts, talking with your school board members and your legislators. This is an election year, and no one can afford to ignore politics. Because if you do, you're doing it at your own peril. That is so true. And that's true regardless of party affiliation. You know, it really doesn't matter if you as an educator are interested in politics or not. Politicians insert themselves into every aspect of your life. Certainly, it is up to voters to hold them accountable. But remember, session is only 60 days long. Voting is one day. That leaves 304 other days in the year that are just as important. Now is the time for every educator across the state to be reaching out to their legislators, thank them for what they did well, and hold them accountable for the areas where they fell short. You can make a difference. To learn how you can get more involved in advocacy efforts around public education, Go to feaweb.org or find us on social media at Florida EA. Thanks for listening. Until we meet again, keep educating from the heart. If you enjoy our podcast, ask your friends and colleagues to subscribe on our website at feaweb.org backslash educating from the heart. Send your comments and feedback to heart at floridaea.org. Again, that's heart, H-E-A-R-T at Florida ea.org or you can leave a voicemail at 850-201-3384 Educating from the Heart is a production of the Florida Education Association FEA is the statewide educators union with more than 150,000 members including teachers, education staff professionals, higher education faculty, graduate assistants students preparing to become teachers and retired educators